You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. Spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Past Lives, which came out in 2023. It was directed by Celine Song. It stars Greta Lee, Tae Yu, Moon Sangha, Sing Min Yim, and John Magaro. The genre would be romantic drama. There's a word in Korean. Inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. I think I just missed him. Did he miss you? Hezong! Wow, so If two strangers walk by each other in the street and their clothes accidentally brush, that means there have been 8,000 layers of inyan between them. For a relatively straightforward film with minimal stakes and only a select few characters, this really did take me on a bit of an emotional ride over its last third. It's sort of a what-if romance in the vein of The Bridges of Madison County or Lost in Translation, but more Korean, more mature, assuming those two traits go hand in hand. With her directorial debut, Celine Song, who also wrote the screenplay, has crafted a very unique sort of romance, which is more romantic within much of its imagery and its overall concept than the actual interactions between its two main protagonists. And I believe that was very much the intention on Song's part as she makes the meat of this story a meditation on memories, life choices, and how people can be drawn to different types of people at different points in their lives. It's a heady movie to some extent, but it's also beautifully simple and straightforward in its storytelling. That this movie clocks in at roughly 105 minutes is all the more impressive. It feels a lot recently, and I've been harping on this in a lot of recent episodes, like even the most gifted of master filmmakers out there have forgotten that even when you're telling a personal story with big ideas, you don't need at least two and a half hours to do so, or three hours even. Sorry, but efficiency of storytelling has just become such a lost art of late from my standpoint. Celine Song tells the semi-autobiographical story that she wants to tell about two long-separated childhood friends from South Korea within a basic, elegant three-act structure, and there's not a wasted minute. You see, up until the time they were barely preteens growing up in South Korea, Nora and Sung were not only best friends, but seemingly possibly meant for more. They were just too young to explore that at the time, when suddenly Nora's parents decide that they need to move out west. The story basically kicks off proper with both young adults in their 20s. As adults, Nora and Sung are played exquisitely by Greta Lee and Yu, respectively. While Sung stayed working as an engineer in Korea, Nora is now an aspiring playwright living in New York City. It's at this point that they reconnect through social media, and they start to catch up a bit, even correspond regularly through Skype. Remember that? 
Some feelings start to seep through, though never explicit. Not much comes of this as one of them actually cuts off communications. And then about 12 years later, it appears that Hei Sung is now headed to New York City for vacation, mainly so that he can see Nora, who was also very intrigued to see him as well, though she has since married to fellow writer Arthur. And then they finally reunite in person for the first time in 20 years. Is he attractive? I think so. He's really masculine in this way that I think is so Korean. Are you attracted to him? I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I don't think so. Now, if you think I might be spoiling too much of the story, well, the posters and trailers already kind of beat me to it. And what's so effective about how this narrative is spun is not only the natural performances, but a relaxed pace where every exchange of dialogue is allowed to breathe. When you think about it, this is actually a movie which could easily take place alongside several other movies occurring in New York City at the time. Because it seems every other rom-com or love story takes place in New York City anyway. But it's made very clear that these two are not the center of this universe, but just one compelling story drifting through it. And you would think that after literally decades upon decades of romances taking place in New York City, that there would be no way to make certain locations feel fresh again. And you'd be wrong, because DP Shabier Kirshner helps present us with a lower Manhattan, which is picturesque, yet populated with dozens of other unrelated stories taking place as Sung and Nora walk their way through it. This is also helped with a canny use of long shots for several exchanges between Nora and Sung. This approach always works as it just kind of draws more focus towards their shifting body language in relation to each other. And this all leads to a final 30 minutes, which is a genuine high-wire act for all involved especially the three main leads. It's hard to not feel empathy at points for Nora, Sung, and even Nora's husband, Arthur, who's given a sublime performance by Mangano, who's actually already delivered several of the film's best lines by this point. What a good story this is. Childhood sweethearts who reconnect 20 years later and realize they were meant for each other. In the story, I would be the evil white American husband standing in the way of destiny. Shut up. Of the cast, though, the biggest standout still has to be Greta Lee, who has to give the most complex performance. I'd only seen glimpses of her in various shows before, and wow, I'm going to be watching for whatever she does next. He was just this kid in my head for such a long time. And then he was just this image on my laptop. And now he is a physical person. It's really intense, but I don't think that that's attraction. I think I just missed him a lot. I think I miss soul. Bottom line, if like myself, you are a genuine sucker for three particular traits, which seem to be lacking in most theatrical experiences lately, I'm talking about economic storytelling, elegant structure, and heartfelt emotion, then this film really delivers. I mean, I was literally in a daze for several hours after seeing it, in a good way. This brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film because music is essential to film. Past Lives is a pretty quiet movie, with a relatively quiet score by up-and-comer Christopher Bear. It's mainly piano-based, with a nice use of xylophones added in throughout. And it does the job, especially in a few key emotional moments, which I would rather not spoil, so I will not provide the title of the track.
For me, the musical highlight actually plays over the end credits, just helping to leave you, the audience member, in just the right type of wistful mood, which this certainly did for me. It's a gorgeous, gradually building ballad from indie rock slash folk singer-songwriter Sharon Von Etten, which she performed for this very movie. Hailing from Belleville, New Jersey, Van Etten has been at it for about 15 years and has released six studio albums during that time. Not bad. And she has a great husky voice. I believe the official terminology is that she has a contralto vocal range. It works beautifully for this song, which is titled Quiet Eyes. The next category would be Wasted Talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Honestly, this is a pretty bare-bones production with a relatively small cast, so it's challenging to refer to any aspect of it as wasted. But I'll say this. Apparently, if there is any sort of recurring theme to the movies released so far this summer, 2023, it is stories relating to alternative timelines or universes featuring characters who are attempting to navigate these as opportunities to possibly correct and or improve their lives. We've already seen this in several big-budget movies, including previous episodes across the Spider-Verse and The Flash. And judging from the trailers, probably traversing through time seems to be a key theme of the latest Indiana Jones movie as well. Now, as much as I really enjoyed both Spider-Verse and The Flash, Past Lives is just a different animal a fully grounded, more personal story actually covering some of the same thematic territory as those bigger films. It has no stars and it's very small in scope. I just hope that it does not get lost in the shuffle in this marketplace. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scener moment that best describes this movie. Now about those final 30 minutes. Wow. I honestly do not want to spoil much of what occurs towards the end. But there is one particular extended sequence which takes you through the gamut of emotions for all three. I'm referring, of course, to Nora, Heisung, and Arthur. And this sequence is a masterclass of camera work, editing, sound design, and, of course, acting. It's pretty much hinted at in the very beginning of the movie as it takes place in a bar. Language differences among the three main characters also plays a key part in the tension. And I'll just leave it at that. I think it's the scene of the year, actually. The final category would be the MVP, the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. I am really tempted to choose Greta Lee as she is incredible in this movie. She's the emotional core of the movie. If she's not an early frontrunner in the race for next year's Best Actress Oscar, then I will be very disappointed. That said, this is still just a delicate movie to pull off all around. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the creative force who both wrote and directed it. And honestly, it feels like Celine's song has just kind of come out of nowhere, which she really hasn't, of course. Her IMDb has only two real credits, including this movie and as a staff writer on the Amazon Prime fantasy show Wheel of Time. Beyond that, she's been working as a New York playwright for years, I think decades even. So I would gather that she has created her fair share of stage plays, which are just not listed online. Her lack of filmmaking background is all the more impressive, though, because this is just such a confidently directed film. She takes a few narrative leaps at points, but never in a showy way that you would see from a first-time director trying to stand out. 
And it doesn't feel low budget either. I mean, much of it is shot on location in, in Manhattan, which is never easy. But she just presents us with these three characters from two different places. We really get a feel for the lives and overall worlds of both Sung and Nora. From a narrative standpoint, it feels as though Song just never takes the wrong step. She keeps the story focused, and we're never arm's length from the feelings of our main characters. For pulling off a truly impressive directorial debut, Celine Song is the MVP. I think in some cases, it really was a thing that I was inventing for um, mm. individual actors and then the kind of process that we needed this to be. The reason why um, I thought that I put so much focus on creating a really authentic and uh, a deep way to say hellos and the goodbyes is because the movie is about the hellos and the goodbyes. I think uh, not everybody and not every movie needs um, a kind of a uh, kind of process that we we had. But I know that our, in our movie we did need uh, some of the interesting things that uh, we were trying to do uh, for the for the performance um, because it is about really extraordinary hellos and goodbyes. My rating for past lives would be five stars out of five. Yeah. Since this film had its official premiere at the Sundance Film Festival back in January, there's been building buzz. Nothing but pretty much universal rave reviews from critics since then, too. Oftentimes, a smaller film like this can sometimes collapse under such hype, where folks like myself, after having finally seen it, can sometimes leave the theater saying stuff like, I mean, that was fine. I don't get it. What's the point? Well, not this time. Past Lives does live up to the hype, and it is the best film released so far this year. And I would be surprised if many films even surpass it by year's end either, all the other films coming out. And even though it's a small film, I would highly recommend that you see it on the big screen while you can, if nothing else than for that riveting third act. And yes, of course, if you're looking to watch Past Lives, it is now playing in theaters. And that ends another interconnected review. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast and to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe and share the Living for the Cinema podcast and follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.